Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Monsters of Sox podcast where the Red Sox are not 500 anymore and they're playing really well, Dan. They're playing really well. It's pretty great to see. How you feeling? I'm feeling great. The Red Sox are playing well. The Yankees are playing terribly. I think I might have some more on that for you later. Um, I just... it. I forget every year how fun it is during a winning streak. Is it so much fun? It's so for, it's such a foreign concept that we have people who shall remain unnamed until slightly later in the show. Writing, you don't want to just do it right now. <laughs> no, writing like victory pieces. And look, yes, this feels good. You know what felt bad? Getting swept in four games by. Tampa Bay, and that was not even a month ago. But uh, real quick, before we continue on, just because you mentioned Tampa, right? Did you see what Wander Franco did last night? I, I tweeted mean, it out. If you missed it, oh no, I saw because <laughs> I I agree with you that despite the rivalrous bent that over the monster has had specifically with Ray's fans and the Ray's site over the years. It's unfortunate that they win, but I agree with you 
we are now a Wander Franco stand yeah. site. For for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, just just put Wander Franco's name into Twitter right now, and you'll see the clip come up. Last night in a game against the Pirates, he while playing in the fields, uh, twenty two. By the way, he's twenty two. He's twenty two years old. old. Yep. He ranged to his left, uh, scooped up a ground ball. It wasn't wasn't a particularly difficult play. It's 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 something you would categorize as hey, nice play, Wander. Scooped up a ground ball, and while setting himself to make the throw to first, took the ball out of his glove and spun it and flipped it in the air, catching it in his throwing hand and then throwing the runner out. And then, and this didn't make it into our tweet about it, but. Um, you know, obviously there were all sorts of grumblings immediately about unwritten rules and him getting hit or anything. That he, he came up the next inning, and then rather than getting plunked by the Pirates pitcher, he hit like a 425-foot home run. He did it so casually that it looked like Ozzie Smith. It didn't look like he was showboating to me. It looked like... no. This is something he does, and he felt comfortable doing it. Totally, and, totally. It was and just like, his, and yeah, it, but it was, it was a time. Him. It was like a timing mechanism too. It's like maybe the way his body was turned, it was easier to do that than like torque himself uh, with the ball. It's one of the most the part of the reason I think. Look, because also I, I don't like the no fun baseball crowd, but at the same time, I don't think he did that just to do it. I think he. <clears throat> did that to make the play the way he needed to. And it looked so amazing. This guy is unreal at baseball. Yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I would say he needed to do that to make the play, Maybe not. but I do think there was sort of like a rhythm there. Yes. Where it was I don't just think it was like the first as... time he's done this, you know? Yeah. It, he was, he was shuffling his feet to get his feet set to make the throw. And just like while he was doing that, needed to do something with his hands. It's kind of like That's... Michael Jordan with the switching hands. He later said, he's like, I actually didn't have to do that. Uh, <laughs> I just sort of started to do it. And then it was like, then it was just done. Uh, but if yeah. we're comparing things to Michael Jordan's switching hands uh, in the most iconic moment of his career, it's probably a good sign. Yeah. I would like to, you know, I, Obviously, look, if he keeps doing this or if other people start doing it, someone is going to drop the ball, unfortunately. And then it's going to be a, a whole shit show, 24 hour baseball news cycle uh, about showboating and gloating and everything like that. And that really sucks because I do want to see things like this as much as possible. And I've been trying to think like, is there a structural change? that baseball can make where it somehow rewards infielders for doing shit like this. I can't think of one, but maybe, maybe Theo, when we get Theo on the pod, this will be question number one. Theo, you've done a great job with the pitch clock. Everyone loves the stolen bases. How do we get shortstops to spin the ball in midair right before they throw it every time? Yeah. I don't think we're going to see this again. (laughs) You don't think he's going to do it again? If anyone does it, it'll be him, but I don't think we're going to see it again. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe him. I don't know. I could see. I, I certainly. Would you be legit, shocked? If it's would you be shocked if Francisco time- Lindor went out there today and, and did it just to be like, hey, kid? I mean, if anyone would do it, it would be like Jose Iglesias. 
but he yeah. would like throw it between his legs and roll it over his shoulders and then throw him out while diving halfway across the field because he's ridiculous at fielding. Uh, and for one year, for us, hitting as well. That was mm -hmm. great. Uh, in an otherwise disgusting 2022. But this does not feel like 2022. Because <coughs> things are going swimmingly for the Sox. You know, we've waited so long to feel good about this team. And now we plainly do. And this offense, man, they are... They are titans of industry. I got some numbers for you. Lamb Red Sox on. offense, currently third in the bigs in OPS, behind only the aforementioned Tampa Bay Rays and the Atlanta Braves. Fifth in home runs, fourth in on-base percentage, third in batting average. How do you feel about that? Good. I feel very good about it. <laughs> um. Yeah, and like we talked about, so actually this uh, th this brings me to the first first segment slash game that I'm springing on you here. Uh, I want to play a game called Profound or Incredibly Obvious. I toyed, I toyed with a cutesy name. I toyed with Professor Profound or Captain Obvious, um, but I think I'll just keep it simple for this. So we talked about the offense a little bit last time, and I just gave you those numbers. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong if you disagree with this, but I think that this is pretty sustainable for this team. Um, it's not sustainable on an individual level up and down the lineup. I don't believe Alex Verdugo is going to win the American League MVP this year, which if he continued at this pace, he, he would. Well, that's actually not true. It'll be Shohei, but he would come in second to Shohei. Um, but while I expect Verdugo to come back to earth a little bit, like you look at the lineup and you say, well, you know, Devers actually, despite the power, Devers really isn't hitting all that well so far this year. Obviously, he's in a big slump now, but all year long, even when the power was there, the plate discipline was not, and he's been swinging wildly, and he has not been walking nearly as much as he used to. So I expect Devers to get a little bit better. Um, the catchers, Connor Wong and Reese McGuire, I think I just, I think I just saw that. The Red Sox catchers this year, their batting average on balls in play is like 440 or something like that. So that's obviously going to come down. Um, but nevertheless, I think it's I think things are generally sustainable because as these performers come down, I'm expecting Devers, I'm expecting Tristan Casas. He looks like he's starting to pick it up right now. Um, Yoshida already has made his turnaround. Christian Arroyo is making his turnaround. So I think this is a really good offensive team. So you look at the starting pitching, and again, we did talk about this last week. They're currently 29th in ERA, 28th in home run rate, 27th in fifth, 28th in F4. The starting pitching is unbelievably dog shit bad. And yet here they are a couple of games over 500 and riding a win streak. Um, and the bullpen, by the way, just to round it out, the bullpen is just sort of middle of the pack, 21st in ERA right now. Um, so anyway, so here, so this brings me to – Profound or incredibly obvious? You're going to tell me. Uh, I was I was just thinking about this the other day. Thought popped into my head, and I was just like, "Wow!" I just profoundly synthesized the entire Red Sox season in in one brilliant piece of analysis. And then five minutes later, I was like, "Wait, that's the most obvious thing in the world." So so you be the judge and tell me what it is. 
So in light of the fact that the offense is a juggernaut, and I think probably will probably sustain itself for the rest of the year, and frankly, even if it drops back, even if it even if it ceases to be a top three offense and, and settles in the five to ten range, that's all you need to be a great team is to be a five to ten uh, you know range offensive team. Given that, and given that the starting pitching has been complete dog shit, here's my profound statement. The only three players that matter going forward on the 2023 Red Sox are Chris Sale, Garrett Whitlock, and Brian Bale. And basically, if those three guys are good, the Red Sox will have a very good season. If they are not, they won't. And like I said, I initially thought that was profound, and then I was like, wait a minute. All I did was say that three of the five starting pitchers need to be good for the team to be good, which is probably true for every team in the league. Yeah, I is would that say that. Or is that incredibly obvious? Well, I would say that it's erroneous more than anything. Erroneous. Okay. All right. I would say that, that, wasn't, that wasn't one of the choices, but go ahead, Brian. But I mean erroneous in the sense that it doesn't have to be those three guys. They need to have three guys do well, it. But it doesn't need well, to be here's why it does, here's specific. why it does have to be those three guys, though. Because no, we know we know I, it's not. I believe going I just be. said I just said it was <laughs> erroneous. No, no, no. It does have to be those three guys because we know it is not going to be Corey Kluber. We it don't is know not that. going to be Nick. Yes, we do. It is not going to be Nick Pavetta. Nope. Nope. And it's not going to be Tanner Hell. Yeah, at we this, know at, that. At this point last month, we knew Jaron Duran couldn't hack it in Major League Baseball. No, this is a this is a completely different scene. Yeah, first that's of all, right. We, first, first of all, 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 he's actually done something. No, we didn't know that because you yourself was saying that Jaron Duran was going to figure it out. You were saying that. Nobody is like Corey Kluber has two Cy Young Awards. A, a presidential administration ago, all right. Like he's he was okay last year. He was okay by some metrics last year, and he's a year older. And now he's losing the the thing that has defined his career so far, which is his incredible control, which is not just mediocre. We know Corey Corey Kluber's ceiling is okay. Nick Pavetta's ceiling is okay. Okay. Dan okay. Hout's you know ceiling what? is you know maybe what? okay plus. But. Dan, you win on Kluber. I think that at least with Pavetta, there's a game-to-game ceiling that's way higher. Uh, sure. Yeah, yes, okay. We saw him. We saw him last year. Last year, I think it was either June or July. You have correctly identified or... the three most talented pitchers. Sure. <laughs> You know what? So it's not profound? It's I think it is profound and incredibly obvious. Okay. In retrospect. So yes, incredibly obvious, but I was wrong. So I'm dumb. So I don't know why you're asking me, but let's have the next one. Uh, well, that was the only one I had. Oh. <laughs> do, you have, do you have anything else that might be profound? Um... Well, is it profound or incredibly obvious that one month of admittedly great production from the two remaining pieces of the Mookie Betts deal doesn't really change anything <laughs> about the the okay? I would say the, hold on, no, no, no. Like I'm saying, 
no one has to agree with my argument against it, but it's not that it wouldn't pay off in some sense eventually. It seems like if you trade 100 pounds of fruit for 30 pounds and a bunch of seeds, eventually you're going to get back to like 80 or 90 pounds, but you also had to starve for three years. So I don't know. I don't understand. <laughs> so so what Brian is referring to is a, an article on Overmuff.com right it's now. It's not just him. <laughs> it's not just that. It's an article by by one of our writers uh, and pot on Lansdowne co-host Jake Wallinger. Um, it's an article. Jake Wallinger, who, by the way, uh, earlier this offseason wrote a different article that, that the headline was, being a GM can't be that hard. <laughs> It just can't. <laughs> uh, that was that was the headline of a piece he wrote a few months ago. Uh, today he wrote a piece wondering if whether he's been too harsh on High and Bloom, um, and whether uh, High and Bloom is in fact uh, revealing himself to be. He didn't use the word genius, but people on Twitter certainly are, and I think that's what you're referring to when you're talking about the other pieces. So, Did yeah, he write so, the headline? He did, yes. Can you read the headline to our listeners? The headline is, and hey, there's a question mark here. So we're not we're not doing anything definitive. Are we looking at a high and bloom masterclass? Okay, no. <laughs> um, I think that we're looking at a month of the well, I, I do think that look, I don't think it it's you know what a high and clown bloom masterclass would look like and sort of does look like, even though it's way after the fact is like the race, a masterclass is a masterclass. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Citing Verdugo and Wong four games over 500 who are having very good years as evidence that he's running a masterclass does not stand up to any sort of scrutiny. The rest of it is very good. And we've talked about this. I, I said I expected them to be good this year. At the same time, I have been very critical of High and Bloom, but at the same time, when they lost four to the Rays, I was like, come on. The Rays are on an all-time heater. You are, we lost to them. True. Don't get too down about it. And this is the flip side of that. Like, let's not go sucking each other's popsicles just yet. Like, I think a masterclass team would be doing better. As you said, Corey Kluber is still taking the mound every turn in the rotation. It's good. He's done a good job with this team. This team is good. This team can win. But, yeah. and this is not, I, 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 you know, those, those boys like to troll. So I don't know if he was trolling. If he was, he got me. Okay. But it seemed. Genuine. I don't think it's a troll. I think. Uh, I don't think it's a troll, but I think it's it's, it's an it's, SEO it's an SEO friendly headline. I'll tell you that it's much. an SEO friendly headline. And boy, he's doing his job. Jake is doing his job. What am I doing? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I think hey, they Jake and 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 the boys in the pod they they react to what's in front of them, and I and I and I say that as a compliment. What I mean is that they're not dogmatic um, the way so many people have become about High and Bloom. They're not, they're not here to, 
um, you know, either Barry or Prayson. They're just yeah. here to talk about the Sox. And that's, that's, this is what it looks like right now. But here's the thing. I agree with him when he says it can't be that hard. So like, then how is it a masterclass? <clears throat> if it's not that hard and they're good, okay. Yeah. It's like, it isn't that hard, which means it's probably not a masterclass. A masterclass would look like the fucking 2002 A's or the Rays any number of years. The Red Sox haven't had to do that. And they have had some different types of masterclasses, like the 2018 team was a masterclass in building players all at their peak, obviously. And the 2013 team was, I mean, I think what he's reading into it is a a 2013 vibe. And that's fair, but that team was like in first place the entire season. Wire, wire, yeah. They finished with the best record in the American League. Right. So this is not <laughs> this, this team is not going to do that. This that is, is not true. that. And I wouldn't have even said after a month that that team was a master class. It was just playing really well. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. But I, I agree with him that this team is good. And I yeah, have last season. I, I, there's there's a lot that's really interesting about this entire discussion, actually, now that I think about it. And now that you bring up point 13. Um, I, I think... Uh, I generally agree with you. Look, I, I, I went on record on opening day as, as, as picking this team to win 84 wins. I did think that he constructed a, a team that's better than last year. Um, and that looks like, you know, 84 wins, I think, is probably right about where they're going to end up. I have no reason to change my mind on that prediction right now. Um, I was excited about Yoshida, and he's playing outstanding right now. <laughs> I, was, I was very happy with what he did to shore up the bullpen. I was I had I was really nervous about starting pitching, and I still am today. Um, so yeah, I, I think we're both in the same place there. It's just amazing that you know you get compare. You bring up the 2013 team is enlightening because you're right. That team was a, was pretty much a wire to wire first place team, and uh, finished. A, they were tied. I believe the they were the actually wire to wire. I remember they, did they run an opening they, I think they were they were never not in first place. Yeah. I, think. I think you I think you might be right. And they certainly I, I think they tied for the best record in the American League that year. Um Ben Charrington, nobody was nobody was that excited about Ben Charrington that year. Nobody cared. <laughs> and nobody looks back at, at his uh, regime fondly now. And yet High and Bloom puts a team together that jumps a couple games over 500 and you got half the fan base saying he's a genius. And look, I think uh, High Bloom's made a lot of good moves. He's made a lot of bad moves. My principal issues with the direction of the Red Sox. I think he's made a lot of bad moves. I really don't. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, made a, he's made a handful. They all do. Um, my I principal... Think- I think his buy low, with, sell high thing just leads to like there's a lot of a lot of fluctuation moves that ends up looking bad, but they're cheap. Like yeah. there hasn't been a lot of bad big money moves. Yeah, yeah, right. And and my and my issue is with the entire ethos that the Red Sox and pretty much all of baseball has taken over the last except fifteen for, years, except which, for San Diego, except for San Diego, where you know it's it, this 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 austerity regime. That, that hangs over baseball is dumb and stupid and sickens me 
and is some of a hell of a propaganda job by the owners. And I hate that. And I hate that High and Bloom is uh, a, a student right out of that austerity school, where the only way to build a winner is to be bad for a few years. It's not true. It isn't true. It's just how they are all choosing to do it right now because the owners have done a wonderful job convincing everybody that's how they all have to do it. So that's my problem. Um, that's always been my problem with Bloom. Within that structure, I thought Bloom was probably about average, and I still think that. I, I, what confuses me about the Bloom conversation is I don't see any evidence to suggest he's really bad, and I don't see any evidence to suggest he's really good. He seems like a pretty average, maybe upper-middle-class GM, and yet he's such a lightning rod. And uh, look, you say uh, this austerity thing. It just did you watch Chernobyl on on HBO? I never did. I, when it came out, I was just like not in the mood for something that dark. And That's I had right. been meaning to get back to it for a while, but uh, I don't know. I guess the this is not my recommendation, though. Maybe it is because I haven't thought about it. It's like one of the most astoundingly good things I've ever seen. And at one point, there's a courtroom scene that's like half invented, I looked up. But they're asking why they built the reactors all these slightly deficient ways that they knew. They knew they were slightly deficient. And the guy just looks at them, he's like, because it's cheaper. And that's just the simplest explanation for why they're building like this. Because it Yes, it's cheaper. Yes. It's just yes. cheaper to do it this way, and, yes. and that's and why I always not... said 2021 was such a. It was a gift and a curse to to the Red Sox people, uh, the Red Sox administration. It was a gift in the sense that they could say, "Hey, look, we've always been trying to compete. We're trying." Yeah. And then it was a curse in the in the sense that, like, when it regressed, maybe <clears throat> even beyond the mean just two of the mean because the Red Sox record last year was not particularly terrible it felt so much worse to the fans yeah. and that's why they got booed at the winter whatever this year and actually and- speaking of regression too just I just want to point this out because I do love this fact the uh, 2021 team which was one of the healthiest teams in all of baseball that year um, their Pythagorean wins uh, was about the same as the Pythagorean wins of the 2019 team, who, of course, were very, very injured. And that 2019 team is is now looked at as this disaster that Dombrowski foisted upon the organization that they need to rebuild from. Um, The reality is the 2019 and the 2021 teams were about the same overall level and quality, with the 21 team being incredibly healthy and the 2019 team being incredibly hurt. It's, we all know this. We talk about this. Seems like every single week. And it's, yeah. I, I, but look, I am enjoying this. I just, let's just, let's just keep it rolling, guys. Let's just keep it, like, we're so desperate for high level competition. I don't want us to settle. <laughs> that's what it comes down to. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. And that's, and that is kind of what's happening here. Everyone, we're so excited about being four games. Whatever. If here. they lose tonight, if they even play today, they will. No one, you know, people will be back up in their feelings. So, yeah. All right. Do you have anything else you want to bury Jake with before we move on? I don't 
want this Jake and I to have beef. So I'm sorry, Jake. The, Jake Devereaux, absolutely. <laughs> but this Jake, no. Okay. Yeah, we do. We have we yeah. have four Jakes. So it's we do really to, astounding. We do it's astounding. <laughs> we have how many people are on staff? Like twelve at most. Fifteen, I think, is the Fifteen. Right four of them are named Jake. Four of them are white guys named Jake. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it's pretty unbelievable. Life All finds right. a way. <laughs> um, speaking of life finding a way, should we should we uh, find out what you're angry about right now? Well, I mean, I think that was it. <laughs> that was it. I only have a couple. I only have a couple. So uh, you were at negative seven on the anger level last week, which meant you were pretty happy. And now the Red Sox are on a winning streak. Yeah, but so you should thing. be happier. No, but that's not the way this works. That's not, not <laughs> the way content works. As Jake Wallinger knows well, the content machine is fed with prov- provocative statements and feelings. Yeah, those takes don't get dug out of the ground by themselves. You know, if he saw me using my daughter's headphones because my dog chewed my AirPods, I think he would feel a lot <laughs> less. If he feels bad at all, he would feel a lot less threatened by it. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, all right, a couple of things. Let's see how angry you are. First of all, speaking about the pitching, um, if I recall on our on our season preview big roundtable pod, we were discussing the the quote unquote starting pitching crunch and who was going to get left out. And at the time, most people it looked like Nick Pavetta was going to be the odd man out. And uh, I stated very definitively on the pod uh, that Nick Pavetta was definitely going to make thirty starts for the twenty twenty three Boston Red Sox. Um, now I feel even more sure about that. So how angry are you about the fact that Nick Pavetta is definitely 100% going to make 30 starts for the 2023 Boston Red Sox? I'm a, I'm, I'm zero. I don't have, I'm not going in either direction. You know what? That is so appropriate for who Nick Pavetta is, frankly, (laughs) not that good, not that bad. We need 30 starts. I wish we were better. We're not. It's it's a zero. It's just, it's nothing. Yeah. Alex Cora was effusive in his praise for Nick Pavetta last night against the Jays. Um, and, I'll, and, you know, he did turn it around for sure. But, my God, the Jays hit some absolute fucking rockets off him early in the game. Vlad Guerrero's made it damn near to the train tracks. And there were two, there were two other home runs that were robbed by the wind last night. Like last night's start, if it had happened in the middle of June, it would have been much, much different. But that's Pavetta. That is he, he, we got the good and the bad in the same game. It's also Vlad, so like and it's Vlad, yeah. What are you Vlad think? Jr. against Pavetta. What do you think is gonna happen, right? All right, so we're at a totally neutral zero. Let's see how you feel about this one. How angry are you about, speaking of the wind, the fact that the wind knocked down what would have definitely 100% potentially been a season-defining grand slam by Tristan Casas last night, which we absolutely would have been leading the show with had it not just been completely knocked down and landed harmlessly in the warning track. That's a good one because it's hard to get mad about something, but I put that at like an eight. 
it's hard to forget big grand slams. It's really hard to forget big grand slams. We were we were robbed of something special last night. We really were. And he played. I mean, he, like we like I said, he's starting to turn things around, and he went the other way with a with an opposite field RBI earlier in the game. Um, so I feel good about him now. But my God, could you imagine how we'd be feeling about the Red Sox right now if Tristan Costas opened that game up last night with the grand slam? Yeah, I remember because I live in New York. I, did Giambi come in two thousand nine? No, uh, I don't know. Earlier than that, uh, right? Yeah. So, but he didn't homer for like weeks, and then he hit a grand <clears throat> slam, and it was like everything, everything started, and like that was oh, he's a true Yankee now. But it did wipe the slate clean in a way that Casas could really use as well, and just jumpstart like okay the initial difficulties are over let's let's fucking roll so hopefully he can roll despite that yeah and and i I do feel you know what i was thinking about last night too i was thinking about not to put too much pressure on the kid but i was thinking about manny ramirez and how i remember manny never really slumped I mean, you know, I, I, all players go through slumps, right? But Manny, Manny was never got stuck in big overs and like you know for twenties things like that. But he would, you know, he hit his peaks and valleys, and every time he hit a valley, there'd always be a game. Remy was always the one who would point this out and talk about this. You'd see a game where he would hit like three line drives to right field. Sometimes they went for extra bases. Sometimes they were caught. Sometimes they were singles. And Remy would always say, here he comes. That like whenever whenever Manny Ramirez started going the opposite way and started started hitting clean liners to right, that that meant he was coming. And and like a, a, a an epic two-week tear would follow. Um that seems to be what Costas is doing right now. Like he's going, he's him and Yoshida both, you, you know, Yoshida in the middle of his 13 game hit streak. Uh, I'm gonna try to get something up on the site uh, today about Yoshida's streak. And it's extremely clear what Yoshida's done. Like he's just started these these balls that are in the outer half of the plate that he's been rolling over to second. He's now just hammering them, absolutely hammering them to left and left center. And that's what Casas is doing now too. Well, I, should, I mean his his RBI, his opposite field RBI last night was a, a ground ball that snuck through a, a infield that was playing pretty shallow, but still he's going the other way. Um, so we could, I don't know, we could see him really really go off here in a little bit. And that would be fun as hell. I find it funny it, uh, how simple baseball can be at times, where it's like incredibly complicated. I remember, I think it's in the Ted Williams book on hitting, but with, with Charlie Lau and talking about what's like the secret to pitching. And it was, uh, I think it was fastballs in and breaking stuff away. And I'm like hitting is like, are you hitting well? No. Okay. Have you tried hitting the other way? Oh, <laughs> and you know what? It's, it's like not it's, even. It's always it, that. It's always it's, that. It's always. It's not even. It's probably. It, it's what's funny is it's not even just that complicated. It was also they were like, "Hey Yoshi, hey hey Tristan, why don't you guys take a break for a couple of days?" Yeah, <laughs> like that's all it was too. In both cases, take both cases off. they were like, "Just take some day off," and then Try they come back hard. And, we don't like, care where. Just hit it hard. And they're like, oh, and that's something that like the Duran on his current heater is like the flip side of this, right? That he is 
he is getting incredibly bay bip lucky. He's got like it's over 500 at the same time. He is pounding the shit out of the ball. So like it's, he really is. So yeah. and and a lot of that is the other way. And it's like you 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 can see when it's going good, and then when it's going bad, it's like the other Duran, the one who couldn't hit anything, you know. And uh, I always think that's funny. It's like you know, it's true. He's like he's going the other way. It's like okay, I think that just yeah. It's if you can go the other way, you can hit well. The end because it's harder to do, I guess, than pull it. Yeah, I never could do it in my in my days in uh, southeastern Massachusetts little league. I, I, mean, had, the- I had two home runs in my little league career, and they were they were both to straightaway center field, and they were the only balls I ever hit in my life to straightaway center field because I was otherwise a dead pull hitter. And my dad was always like, "Well, why don't you try to you know straighten it out your swing a little bit more?" And I just couldn't. So this there you may, go. There's my incredibly relevant anecdote. This may lead to more questions, but I played for like 10, 12 years every weekend, multiple times a weekend, stickball in Queens. <clears throat> really? Uh, oh, yeah. I'm a two-time champion. We Shut have champions. Up. Oh, yeah. I've pitched thousands I mean, I've of, of innings. Okay, so I had heard of it. I, like, I knew that there was like a still extant stickball culture in New York. But it's, I lived in New York for 10 years and I didn't see any evidence of it. No, because you lived in fake New York. You lived in Brooklyn. Rich New York. Yes, of course. Fake New York. Brooklyn, now, we did yeah, play everyone's... in the park that's right by the Epps train in Dumbo. Because there's a mm-hmm. wall there and there's a big park. Now, people would walk through all the time. We have to stop the game and let them pass. But that was the one place in Brooklyn we played. But the fun thing about it for someone who played Little League and played high school baseball but wasn't great, wasn't good enough to pitch, this was a bunch of us, and we used tennis balls, and we pitched. We got to pitch, pitch. And just to the point of what we're talking about, one my roommate is this guy who is now like a professional trainer. He's like 6'5". He's huge, okay? He's and he pitched, we all pitched, but he pitched the fastest because he's a great athlete and just huge. But once I hit a ball, a, a fastball, I just timed it up and hit it straight away. And it just went the farthest I've ever seen a ball go um, that I hit, definitely. He also hit balls farther than the rest of us. That was the one I ever hit that I was like, you go do that, Edgar, motherfucker. But that's, yeah, there's a whole lot to say about stickball, but we'll do that at a different time. I do want to hear about that at a different time. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. 
No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Um, all right, so we'll move on though. So you get you get an eight. So right now you're you're uh, pretty angry <laughs> right now. Um, let's let's move on to another team, but the same city. I got a question about the Yankees for you. The Yankees are in last place right now, Joyner. And Aaron Judge is on the I.L. Carlos Rodon is on the I.L. A number of players are on the I.L. right now. And when asked about um, what he thinks or plans or hopes to do with the team that's uh, so injured right now, Brian Cashman's quote to the press, but I think this was either this morning or before last night's game, was it's not like the NBA with the G League where you can just pick and choose whatever you want. <laughs> That's a delightfully stupid quote, and I want to know how angry it makes you. I mean, negative 10 billion? This, oh. I, I cannot describe to you. Like, I don't care where the Yankees end up right now. I live here, and everyone's talking when i'm picking up the kids the yankees fans are complaining and it is the straight up tony stark arc reactor bringing my heart to life or keep it's it is the purest shit in the entire world and they're like well you're in fourth place well i don't don't care we're not in last place you're in last place and they all complain about it and they hate it and i don't care how long it lasts every day is a gift it's a gift when this is the case and that's amazing. You have an entire minor league system that you assembled. Yeah, uh, you so, have been there right. for what twenty years. You made My the question, choice to put everybody in there. Who's in there? How does he think the G League works? You can sign like, players. Yeah, I know you can sign players to a ten way to a, a ten day deal. For, but, but like, I think from I think you can sign them from other teams. I'm not exactly. I'm pretty sure, sure you can think that's what he means. I, I think there are G League players who are unassigned to teams. Right. Is what it is. Right. 
Um, but that, but there's also independent league baseball. You can yeah, sign those players. Also, like that's that's my point. Like there are also players who don't have jobs in baseball, and there's uh, players who are being you know put Julio Franco's ready. He's still every waiting every single day. Yeah, like players are put on waivers every single day. There's no meaningful difference between being able to sign and and like and he also. <laughs> Like pick and choose whoever you want. Like, you, like you're not getting anyone good enough to get off your bench if if it's an unassigned G League player either. So, I, I just a just an incredibly dumb comment. Um, and it's funny because I've my opinion on for almost my entire life, I've thought Cashman was just a shitty GM who's just in the right place. And now I, I I've in, in, over the past couple of years, I've done a complete 180, and I think that Brian Cashman. Like when you think about it, why isn't he the best GM of all time? I think it's pretty hard. To, it's it's really easy to argue that he's the best of all time, maybe Theo Epstein excluded, and it's really hard to argue that he's not. I think the track record is what it is. He's never had a losing season, and as as I age and as as we discussed at the top of the show, as I grow more and more disgusted with the austerity regime. And you know, here's here's what really turns me around in this. I, I think back to the the 2009 Yankees team, the CC Sabathia and the AJ Burnett and the Mark Teixeira contracts, and how us smug Red Sox fans just kept waiting and waiting and waiting for those quote unquote bad contracts to drag the Yankees down. I was so sure, so sure that they were going to be floundering under 500 for a couple of years. I was sure that they were going to finish in fourth or fifth place one year. And they just never did. They missed the playoffs a couple of seasons. They snuck in with a mediocre, uh, you know, high 80s wild card a few seasons. But they have never finished below 500 since 1991. So, like, I kind of think, despite him saying one of the dumbest quotes I've ever heard from GM today, I, I'm starting to I'm starting to argue that he's maybe the greatest GM of all time. I don't know about that, but I do think that in the absence of a very obvious choice, there's a case to be made. I mean, look, it's it's like in NFL coaching, Mike Tomlin is not a better coach than Bill Belichick. However, he's never had a losing season, ever. And the Steelers have gone through some really, really they were like relatively lean times where any other team, even the Patriots, would have had a losing season. And then you look at that and you're like, well, that's, I don't know what it means, but that shit is tough to argue with. And I mean, I think Friedman is going to be trying to go at this one uh, as time passes. But I think if Brian Cashman is the best GM of all time, it's like Emmett Smith being the rushing leader or Ty Cobb being the hits leader. We're just like, you got to put in so much more time. However, he has been, he, you're right. Not no losing record over that amount of time does not make that an albatross. It makes it a, a, a selling point, but at the same time, fuck him, fuck the Yankees. This is amazing. Hopefully they have a losing record and he gets fired. Uh, that would be something. I don't think he'll get fired. He'll just quit, not. right? Like, yeah, he'll yes. get fired. Um, yes. Oh, of course. Yeah. Like, he, he will walk away on his own turn. I mean, look, 
he is a much clearer link to George Steinbrenner than Steinbrenner than Hal. Uh, yeah, like, that's. I, good, I, I think a he's point. a. I think he's a clearer uh, proponent of the Steinbrenner legacy than the Steinbrenner kid. So, I think that for that reason, especially. And let, like there could just be a mutual parting of ways. Maybe they're just like, all right, <clears throat> we had our run. It's good. And that seems every year that seems a little bit more likely. And this year, maybe if we can keep yeah. this going, likelier than most. So he's been in charge now since 1996, correct? I don't know. I don't pay attention to Brian's with an eye. <laughs> we should look this up. Is there anyone in sports who has been in charge of a team for this long? Wow, that's a great question. Because I know I'm gonna look, I'm gonna look up and see actually how long he's been in charge. It's more you like you know, it's it ends up being more like a college basketball coach, like how long he's been there. Because yes, Belichick, totally. if you give Belichick twin duties, he didn't even come until 2000. So that's the longest in the NFL by far. So 1998 is when he officially became the general manager. He's been working for the Yankees since 1986. Effectively my entire lifetime, this man has had the same job. Uh, Okay, so so the longest tenured GMs technically are – is technically Jerry Jones. Well, okay. I mean, who gives a shit about that? But sure. But he, no, I will doesn't. say this, right. Uh, and then Mike, same thing with the Bengals where Mike Brown, yeah. now maybe they have an actual GM at this point, I'm looking at an old list. But I think that of the people who don't own the teams, Brian Cashman is almost certainly the longest um, in American sports. Yes, although I do. So here's, here's the one guy you might want to consider. He's not the GM, but Greg Popovich. Took over the San Antonio Spurs in 1996. Yeah, he. I think he counts, but uh, yeah, I think he does too. And uh, and he and he also coaches the team. Right, right. Do you That's know Greg, Greg Popovich? You know Greg Popovich pulled the Dick Cheney. He was he shot was, again. No, <laughs> he was the guy they brought in to look for the coach, and he's like, "I found him." I'm the guy. <laughs> I did not know that. It's me. <laughs> and uh, just... <laughs> yeah. Okay, here's my question though. Is I, that I am glad you brought that up. I did not know that about them, about him. Um, that's hilarious. And you know what? He was right, unlike Dick James. Yeah, I would say he was right. But but here's what we need to settle right now. What is it that that gets called pulling a Dick Cheney? Because <laughs> I, I think that's a very I've good heard candidate. That I, that's come up with. I think shooting a guy a in the face is a good candidate. I think that's I what a, it is. I just here's something that bothers me about Dick Cheney that I'll I'll put out there. Giving your dog a boring human name because Dick Cheney's dog is named David, which is the most Dick Cheney thing I've ever heard in my life, and I could just see him like getting upset. David, you pissed on the floor again. God, David, go to your room. Um, so I, I nominate giving your dog a, a boring human name as pulling a Dick Cheney. 
It's definitely shooting someone in the face. And I have to note that it's funny you mentioned that we got to the subject because one character's obsession with Dick Cheney leads to in the television series Beef, which I talked about last week, they literally use the phrase pulling a Dick Cheney and they mean, he said, I almost Dick Cheneyed you and has shot you in the face. <laughs> okay. Literally all that happens. They, there's a robbery where they wear Dick Cheney masks. Uh, wow, that show is off the rails. I guess I do need to watch this. It's truly, there's no better way to describe it, but in, it, it stays good, but it's totally off the rails. And yes, that, uh, I don't know how we got here. All right. Let's keep I going. wanted to, I just wanted to say when it's pulling a dick Yeah, shooting someone in the so face. It's shooting someone in the face. Okay. It's not it's not giving yourself the job. It's both. In the, if we were in a job interview and I said, you know, this person's gonna pull a Dick Cheney, if the the context context independent, I would think shooting in the face. But if you were talking about it in this way, I would immediately know what you meant. All right, glad we settled that. Okay, all right. I got one more of these. Uh, your anger scale is currently at negative nine hundred ninety-nine million nine hundred ninety-nine thousand nine hundred ninety-two. Okay. Um, so one more. We'll see how much this one affects it. How angry are you about the fact that yesterday Justin Turner tweeted out a picture of the Planters Nutmobile, the world's largest peanut on wheels, with the caption quote, "Driving in Boston is nuts." And then, for some reason, he deleted it. Oh. Oh. Wow. Wow. Um, I'm going to go... Nine and a half. You can't be deleting that. You can't, you can't be, be deleting, deleting that. that. No. The gold, Jerry. Why would you delete it? It's your best material. Yeah, I don't know. I'm really bothered by this. Yeah, I don't try to understand gingers, so you know, he can <laughs> he can do what he wants. That's uh I'm, I'm so really confused. Just, as, I'm, I'm really disappointed. What do you think the decision was? Do you think here's the only thing? I mean, I, I joked on Twitter that he realized he was giving away Mr. Peanut's assassination coordinates. But I think, like, the actual reason must be something about free ads, right? Do you think, like, his agent went to him and was like, hey, man, you, you can't be you can't be touting a business like that unless you're getting paid? Well, I think it would more like, don't do it unless you're getting paid. Like, you can't. Do <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, or take, I, it down, I, take, take it down while I talk to the planners people. And if we work something out, then you put it back up. He probably did it, and then was like, "And I want." I mean, there might have been some idiots being like, "Me, me, 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 me." You know, most most people who live in Boston, from my understanding, like they embrace that part of it as like being part of the charm in a perverted way. That like they get you guys get to complain about how bad the traffic is, and you're not wrong. Yeah. And so it's uh, it's just like it's a thing. Well, I actually don't think the traffic is that bad here. Well, I wasn't going to say is, uh, this is obviously fine. This well, first, this isn't a Boston. The road network is fucked because the roads are like four hundred years old, and I get that. That doesn't mean the traffic and the driving yeah. are like inherently bad. I think it's that 
with all these weird streets and intersections, people are just like, well, what the fuck do I do here? Every city in America thinks that their traffic is the worst traffic in America. You know why? Because driving sucks. And highway infrastructure is slowly ruining America in many, many ways, both uh, obvious and not obvious. So driving sucks. And every city in America, therefore, thinks they have the worst traffic, all of them. Um, I don't think Boston has the worst traffic. I don't think it's anywhere close to the. I, I mean, think they say worst drivers, not worth because like it's not L.A. You know. Well, they do say worst drivers, but then there was also uh, there's a study. There was a study done a year or two ago that the Boston Globe keeps writing an article about, like every four months. That that you know that the headline that the Globe uses that Boston has the worst rush hour traffic in America. It's all Storo Drive, right? That's 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 really that- all they're talking about. Then ninety three is bad too, um, but the that the the actual study that produced that headline just showed that like the delta from traffic at uh, you know four a.m. to traffic at eight a.m. was bigger in Boston than it is in New York and L.A. and D.C. But that doesn't actually mean that rush hour traffic is worse. I mean, I have I have sat on the BQE for like four hours before. That doesn't happen in Boston. It doesn't happen anywhere in Boston at, at any time of day. And I mean, um, look, I, I obviously I have too, but I think people in LA would even look at us and just be like, you guys are children. Yes. Yeah. You are children. Yeah. That's that's not going to be my recommendation, but I do want to recommend people in general, just, just stop complaining about traffic because it's bad everywhere because driving sucks. It's yeah. bad everywhere. It's not, it's not particularly bad in your place. Yeah, we don't, we don't need to do it this way. We could do it so much better. We could. We could. Um, all right. So that's all I have for your anger scale. So this week you are at a negative 999,999,882 and a half on the anger yeah. scale, which means you are pretty damn happy, Brian. I mean, it's, it's, you know, the Yankees, I think eventually, like, there'll be a makeup call later in the season when the Yankees humiliate the Red Sox in some way. And we'll, we'll we'll get these numbers back into something manageable. Um, so far though, you're two, two weeks, two weeks in a row in the negative numbers, which means two happy weeks in a row, of course, obviously. Yeah. Um, so, so there you go. I'm glad, I'm glad life is good for you right now. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's a very funny, it's very funny to hear me say that. Uh, it's like, Oh, you must feel amazing right now. It's like, yeah. Oh, I totally feel great right now. Sure. Um, right. so do you have any recommendations for this week? Uh, I do have a recommendation and <laughs> now I don't want to do it though. Cause since now we are complaining about traffic. I'm an even older man, grumpy <laughs> recommendation. I'm sorry. But... You know, as well as I do that you are locked into this. I know it's in the contract. I don't have a choice. Um, so last week I went to the coffee shop on Saturday morning. And I just, spur of the moment, decided to uh, buy a copy of the newspaper that was there. Um, I have digital subscriptions to a couple of newspapers, but I was just like, screw it. I'm going uh, to read the paper. And honestly, I can't tell you how much happier I was that morning, specifically because I was reading a physical newspaper. It is such a better experience. It re- and I know I'm not the first person to say this, 
and I don't even have any novel reasons. The reasons are reasons that you've probably heard about. You know, first of all, like you end up reading things you, you wouldn't read online when you have the choice to navigate where you want to. So, you know, I was reading all sorts. Of, I, I read a whole article about these weird cockney people in London who go around wearing vests covered in ivory uh, mother, mother of pearl buttons. And they call themselves, I forgot their name. There's some really stupid British name, like the Buttony Poo Crew or something like that. And it's delightful. And I certainly wouldn't have clicked on that if I was just on NewYorkTimes.com. So you read stuff that you wouldn't otherwise read. And then it's also just like when you sit down on your computer and open up the internet, you're not really doing a thing. You're just, your mind is just entering a mind space and a bunch of shit is just being shot at you, whether you want it or not. And your mind is all of a sudden just like, like a starting gun goes off and you just look and look and look for stuff. When you sit down with the paper, it's like an activity you're doing where where I was sitting down and I was like, I am doing this now. And then I put it down and I did something else. And it was just so freaking delightful and i'm going to try to do it again this weekend and that's my recommend my recommendation is get off the internet and actually just uh read an actual thing it made it honestly made my entire day better really really did so there you go that's that's a good one that's a very good one mine is to buy a old man for you mine is to buy a walk use a walk for cooking a walk, okay. W O K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I heard W A L K, and I was right. extremely confused. Yeah, don't buy a walk. That's free. Um, yeah, it makes it so much easier. It's, it's very so. Somebody told me that, and I didn't believe it, and then I got one. I was like, oh my god, stir fry really is outrageously easy. And is it easier than a cast iron skillet? It's just it's more conducive to. Uh, stir frying because you can flip it. Yeah, get the wrist and, and you swirl it around and flip it without having to like in worrying that it's going to come out or all that stuff. So it's that. I got to say that your old man thing. I thought you were going to complain that it costs like three dollars. That's oh, what I thought. It was, oh, it was like even more than that. It was like that's, six that's what I think you said is not old man at all. I think it's actually like kids or like people in our generation going full vinyl head right i think it's yeah uh it's actually appreciating the (laughs) the actual medium itself in a way that we've forgotten because it's not you're not saying i like this because back in the day it was one way you're doing it because i like this because it's better it makes my it makes my daily life better now it really does. And look, I'm not going to give up reading the internet. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, like, I, I've never, I, I don't think, it's been since, like, 2010. That, 2010 was the last time where I uh, stepped away from the internet and felt better than when I, than I felt when I stepped onto the internet. Like it's, it's, and we all, again, like, we all know the reasons why. We all know how the algorithms work to make us feel this way, to make us feel like we're always missing something. Um, but I just like using the internet doesn't make me feel good. I genuinely felt good putting that paper down. I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you this because I'm applying for jobs like 
all the time, right? I had to do a sample for a job that was literally digging my own grave. It was helping refine an AI chatbot's responses. Oh, no. No. God, what was the name of the company? Can you tell me so I can go firebomb it? I'm, believe me, I still need the job, so I'm not saying a word. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't, I, I haven't heard back, so I probably didn't get it, but this is another one where I'm like, did you actually want to see how good I was? Or are you, cause the guy calls, he's like, you have 24 hours to get the sample back. He said that at like 10 AM. I'm like, okay. Calls me at four 45 when in fact I am working on, it. he's like, Hey, you got to get it in by five. I'm like, that's weird. And I was like, wait, I realized that. And I did. I was like, no, you had to get it in by five. Oh that you God. are responsible for getting X number of people in on a day and you realize, oh, okay, I get it. Uh, Do it. Wow, so, what an awful goddamn world. It's so, like, I have a friend who's the CEO. He's a very good friend. I love the guy. But he's, he, it's a tech company. He's, like, constantly posting, like, see how AI is helping us solve all. I was just like, man, happy for you, I guess. <laughs> happy for See, you i don't nobody actually wants this except for the people in your friend's position but it doesn't matter that we don't want it it's gonna it's gonna get chucked down our the people who have the lot. money have decided we're gonna have it yeah. yeah and on that note folks that has been months you want to change your anger your anger scale score just ask me about chat gpt <laughs> next time i'm we're not gonna reopen the game is over. We're off the court, but okay. um, there, the certain the 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 refs the the fix it refs are being called in for next week. Let's just put it that way, and we'll be back next week. Hopefully, the Red Sox just keep winning uh, because this was the best week of baseball this season so far. I think, hands down, and let's make it the second best week. By next week let's top that what do you say dan sounds good to me all right folks we will be back next week